Time goes so slow for a kid. It feels like it's going at a snail's pace. You'll be in school just looking at the clock, waiting for the bell to ring, because once it rings, you're finally off on Christmas vacation. And the days leading up to Christmas, all you think about is what? The presents. Time is going so slow. I'm going to get that new toy. I'm going to get that new video game. I'm going to get that new whatever. And on Christmas Eve, you just keep looking at the clock. You're in bed, and maybe this is just me, but I'm in bed. I can't sleep. I'm like, I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen. I wonder what's going to be under the tree. And you look, only a few more hours, and I can finally wake up. Only a few more hours. But that doesn't last, does it? Soon, it does really feel like time is just going way too fast. One example of that is when you're an adult and you get to go on vacation. You just are taking time off of work. Doesn't time move differently? Isn't that true? Right? My, my family, we always take the week of my birthday off in June. We take the whole week off and we go on vacation. And Sharon always asks me leading up to it, what do you want for your birthday? And my, my, my statement is always the same for the years now. I just want time to go slow. I just want this vacation to feel like it was long enough. You know, I, I feel that tension on vacation. Day one, we have seven days off. Day one, I'm like, ah, oh, there's only six days left. Ah, oh, there's only four days left. Ah, oh, I gotta go to work tomorrow. And I love my job. I'm not saying I don't love it. I, don't, I love you all. You're all beautiful people. But I want to take a break too. Another example of time going way too fast is when you have a one-year-old and they have a nap time. I mean, I'm allowed, I feel like we're relationally transparent. I'm allowed to be vulnerable on this stage. Man, does the nap time go quick. I'm telling you, we, we spend the morning chasing him. And my son, he just likes to run in a circle and he likes us to chase him and he'll just go, he'll say run. And then we run and we chase him around for like hours and hours and hours. And then finally he passes out, you know, and it feels like, man, we sit down, he's, he's sleeping and me and Sharon want to sit down and go like, oh, the sigh of release. We have two hours of just us time. We can watch a movie. We can do everything. But by the time we clean up all the toys, make the lunches, answer the emails, do some of the work, you finally sit on the couch, and you know what happens. You hear it. Mommy! And I turn, at least he didn't say daddy. <laughs> and then mommy turns and goes, let's go get the baby. Ugh! I mean, I love when my son wakes up. I really, it's like a party in my house. When he wakes up, it's like, we missed you! And we sing, it's a big song and dance. But you understand my point, right? It's like two hours goes nowhere. Or all the time we're scrolling on our phones and we're like, man, I'm just going to scroll for a few minutes while I have a break and three hours goes by and you're like, man, I've gained nothing with my time. But the reality is, whether you're a kid waiting for Christmas, a parent trying to get stuff done during nap time, on vacation, or just sitting back in shock that the months are flying by, let me tell you a truth. Time is the same for all of us. We are each given only 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Now, how long we have of that, yes, that may vary. But the days we've been allotted, the days we have, and the hours that we have are the same. I don't have more time in my week and my day than you do, nor do I have less. Now, we've been in this series talking about all the important decisions and how to make good decisions but one of the biggest decisions we sometimes don't even realize is, what do we do with our time? I think one of the most reoccurring phrases that I hear from adults and friends and peers is, I don't have enough time. If I only had a few more hours, I could get it done. What I find even more interesting is that our students say the same exact thing. 
whether it's in Bible study or in passing, it's just, I just need more time. I don't have enough time to do it all. And church, I want to be honest with you. This morning, this message is for all of us. I'm not standing up here today telling you I'm an expert on time management. Rather, I'm standing here telling you that this may be one of my greatest weaknesses. Actually, I think it's pretty safe to say, my wife would agree, time management is my greatest weakness. There's so much I want to do, and there's just never enough time to do it. Do you feel me? It feels like we're just running against the clock always. Listen, when I was single, and it was just me, and I was living on my own, I started out, I was like, okay, I got a job. I got to manage school still. You know, I got, I got to manage my social life. This is kind of stressful. How do I keep my social life up and balance school and pay for it all? That's a lot. Then I got married. Now there's two schedules to manage. I was trying to balance work, school, marriage, our social life as a couple. Because before when I was married, no one really cared what I did with my time. But now I'm sharing my life with someone. Just trying to keep the plates spinning. But we were able to figure it out. We got a rhythm. We had it all. We were pretty flexible. Then we had a kid. And all my time is just gone. I don't understand what to do with it. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what time it is. Last night we were up at 3 a.m. And he was just saying, cake? Buddy, you can't have cake. Cake? It's not time for cake. For him, it was time for cake. I maybe gave in. But when I became a dad, my work responsibilities continued. I had my wife, and she has her own schedule and her own work schedule and her own time. And every time I'm out of the house, I'm away from my family. But every time I'm home, I'm thinking I could be providing more money for my family. I could be setting up our livelihood, and I could be providing more and I found myself in this tension. I never felt this tension until I became a dad. This isn't in my notes. This is free. I don't know. I, I, I never felt this tension. Maybe this is therapy. I, I never felt this tension until I became a dad. And then all of a sudden in me, I'm like, I must provide. And I was like, I need to work every day, all day long, because this kid has to have a great life. And I felt this tension, and I would find myself zoning out. I'd be in the car, and I would just pass where I was supposed to be going. I was just thinking about what do I got to do next? What should I be doing? What, what do I want to do? And I found myself in this spot where I would wake up every day not knowing what should I do first? What's, what's the important thing of my day? The to-do list never shrank. It just continued to grow and grow and grow. All the while, I'm trying to accomplish the tasks. I'm zoning out. I don't know what to accomplish first in my day. And it boils down to this, what's truly worthy of my time? And it felt like, and it can feel like time is just slipping through my fingers. And when things start to slip through my fingers, what do we realize? We realize we're human, and we can't do it all. And today, let me tell you, if you feel like you can do it all, you can't. We cannot do everything. We are all subject to time. So then what remains? What's, in, what's important? Where should my time go? So I'm being honest, this isn't like a, a shtick for a sermon. I've really been praying about this. God, what do I do with the 24 hours a day I'm allotted? How much time goes to you? How much time goes to my family? How much time goes to work? And as I'm praying about these things, I couldn't help but think of the series. Help but think about that verse that we started the whole series on, making decisions, right? Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things 
will be added to you. We've said it week after week that all of our decisions should be about seeking God's kingdom first above everything else. Even today we sang image learn, I want to give you everything of me. And the rest will follow. So doesn't the same thing then apply when it comes to our time? To understand how to manage time, I think we first have to understand how important it is. If we really want to manage our time well, to be able to decide what's worthy of our time, we have to grasp how important time really is. It says in Ephesians 5, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Watch this. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. That means we are meant to be careful with how we live. We're to be wise and make the most of it all. Because time, time can be wasted. James, the, the half-brother of Jesus, describes life as this. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The psalmist in Psalm 39 says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment for you at best. Each of us is just a breath. He goes on to say in Psalm 90, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So the Bible speaks a lot about life, and it speaks often about how life, this life we have here on earth, is short. Now I know you're thinking, whoa, what are you doing, man? Come on, like you're depressing us at Christmas time. I'm always coming up here trying to depress you or give you anxiety. I know, I know what you're thinking, though. I thought we were talking about, like, time, like, day-to-day -day stuff, how to organize my schedule, not all of life. We just want to figure out how to manage today, the 24 hours we are allotted, not think about how quick life is. But I think, I honestly think once we grasp the concept of life and the brevity of life, we begin to see the value of time. And once we understand the value and importance and the power of life and time and how time goes quickly, we will all have a better understanding of how to use that time. Because the Bible talks a lot about our time, and it talks about our usage of it. It talks about how we, how we are supposed to use our time differently depending on the seasons that we're in, right? King Solomon, who was the wisest king to ever live, had over 700 wives. Sorry, I didn't get enough of a shock about that. 700 wives! Thank you. And he wrote about what? He wrote about time, probably because he didn't have enough of it to spend with all of them. But he quotes this band called The Birds in Ecclesiastes 3, and he says, I didn't know if anyone was going to get it. <laughs> I knew Colin would. <laughs> Stop distracting me. I'm running out of time. In Ecclesiastes 3, he says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. There's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. King Solomon is saying that our lives 
There'll be many different times and things that we need to do, and not all seasons are the same. Every season for all of us will be a little bit different. Throughout our lives, our time usage and what we do with it will look different for all of us. But King Solomon is also saying in all of his wisdom, he's going to go on to say something so crucial, so important, that it should shape all we know and all we do and how we see the world around us. Are you ready for it? This is what he says, and please pay attention to it because it's so important today. He says in verse 9, what do people really get for all of their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet he's made everything beautiful for its own time. And here, I want you to listen to this. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people can't see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God has planted eternity in the human heart. That somehow right now in our beating hearts, there's something more, there's something greater. That eternity is somehow beating within us. Now, doesn't that contradict what I was just saying in the start of this? That life is short and time is running out? We went from numbering our days to somehow eternity is beating within us? Now I really don't know what to do with time. The best way I ever heard this concept explained was from a sermon by this pastor named Francis Chan. And you most likely have seen this before. I know some of my youth students have. But the image of this is so helpful and so powerful that we can see it again and again and again, and it will continue to remind us of the power of time and what we do with it. So I'm going to borrow this illustration from Francis Chan. So he gets the credit. I'm not stealing, you know, copyright infringement. Imagine this rope goes on and on forever. Best rope you'll ever buy. I can't afford that one, but this is what I got. It really just it ends past the curtain. But imagine this rope just goes on forever and ever and ever. It continues on and on and on. This rope represents your timeline. This rope represents the eternity that's been placed into your heart. And so I know it's hard to see, but if you see this red part, this is your time on earth. When you look at this, we have a few short years here on earth. This is a breath in comparison to all of our existence. But let me tell you this, how we use our time in this part affects all of that part. How we use our time on earth will be very dependent on what we focus on. We can get so consumed with this part that this is all we think about. We're tempted to only think about this. How much money will I make? What job will I have? What relationship will I have? How much free time will I get? How much time does my family get? How much time do I get? I mean, there's a big culture today of being on the grind, meaning that you just spend a lot of time over here just working and working and working because there's a little part right here that we call retirement. And it's really good. And we want to work really hard in all these years for a little dot right there. Or we try to make a lot of our time in this part convenient and easy without struggle or sacrifice. We try to make this part as easy as possible. And the Bible talks about how we spend our time 
in this part will determine what happens with the rest of it. That how we spend our day-to-day and the decisions we make here affect all of this. That's kind of insane, isn't it? That that's how powerful our time is here. But we get just so fixated on this part. And all of this can be forgotten. The things that will help us keep focused on this part, we ignore. Because we think we have so much time here on earth. And we say, I'll worry about that later. But this part goes so quickly, church. We look at our days. Let me ask you, where does eternity fit in your day-to-day? In this part, where are you fitting in your eternity? We start worrying about all these different things, and it distracts us. Our day-to-day items around us distract us, and we lose sight of eternity. We lose sight of the kingdom. And the scary part is, the real scary part about losing sight is we don't even notice when it happens because it happens so slowly. We start worrying about piano recitals, school assignments, year-end taxes. We think about what Bob said to us last week at work. We're so focused on that. We're worried about how the stock is doing. We want to make soccer practice. We want to plan the vacation. We want just a moment's rest. But what falls away then? I'm just looking at this. And if we're honest for a moment, we know what can tend to fall. Our faith. But we believe this lie that everything, everything in our schedules is worthy of our time and everything needs attention. And what happens is we overpack every moment of our days to the point that something has to give. And too often what gives is our relationship with God and it's the first to go and we didn't even realize it. But the reason we sometimes don't tend to realize it is because our faith becomes a part of the to-do list rather than what fuels our entire existence. We can think, well, I made it to church on Sunday. I can check that off the box. I can, I said grace at dinner so faith is still active in our day-to-day as we're rushing food into our mouth to get up to the door to do the thing that we have to do. And faith becomes an item on a to-do list rather than a relationship with the Creator. And we lose sight of all of this. We focus and stress ourselves out on this tiny moment. So what happens is we get so focused on the things that in the long run only affect so much rather than focusing on the eternal. Everything we do with our time, everything we do with our time is either going to bring reward or regret. Jesus told us that for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we're just focused on making this part so comfortable here, focusing on moments here, stressing ourselves out in moments here, this is all we'll ever have and see. What do we do with the rest of this? What do we do with the name of Jesus. Because what we do with the name of Jesus here in the red impacts the rest. This whole series has been about how to make good decisions. Let me tell you, if you want to make a good decision, if you really want to make the best decisions when it comes to the biggest ones, you need to be focused on the biggest decision you'll ever make. Are you going to follow Jesus? I mean, are you really going to follow? Because it's in this time that we decide that. And that will determine all of that. What I do with the name of Jesus here will affect all of this. Do we get the seriousness of this? 
Because what I do here and decide here determines a rope that goes on and on and on. When we put our faith in Jesus and truly begin to follow him, the rest will follow. That's what Matthew 6, 33 was all about. Seeking the kingdom. It means seeking Jesus. But you have to ask yourself, do you really follow? Do I really follow? Are you choosing to follow Jesus in all of our ways? Not just some of them, but in everything, in every day-to-day moment. Is it all about him and seeking his glory? What we do in this part impacts the next. So what do we do? Paul says it like this in Colossians 3. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ, in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. That we need to constantly be thinking of heaven and thinking of our future and what we're thinking of life in view of eternity is our wills and wants and desires will begin to fall in alignment with Christ's because we're thinking about him and our future with him and our eternity with him and everything else just falls in alignment. I love that Paul says, when Christ, who is your life, that when we put our faith in him, we trade this little moment for all of this with him. That when we put our faith in Jesus, we're saying, I'm, you can take the red, you can take the day-to-day moments, I want everything with you. Because we died to this life and our real life is hidden in him. I love that Paul says that. That every moment, every decision is all about worshiping him, worshiping him with my life. And I get all of this. He goes on to say this. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater. Worshiping the things of this world because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. But you used to do these things when your life was part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malice behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, and you've put on a new nature and be renewed and put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. That when we choose to follow Christ, we trade the red for eternity. We throw off the troubles and plans of this world and we follow him and deny ourselves. When I look at Jesus and my life in him, I'm denying this for all of this. We make Christ our life and we put on this new nature as we learn to know our creator, but also to become like him. To do that, you have to know who he is and we look to Jesus we look to Jesus, and yes, we only have a snapshot of his time here on earth, but let me tell you, that small snapshot of Jesus' earthly ministry was steeped in a relationship with a heavenly father who knew and loved him, and he loved him back in this deep relationship. Jesus would stay up through the night praying. He would wake up early and go to remote places to pray and spend time with God. He knew scripture. He had meaningful connections with others. Jesus had a day-to-day life. 
He had people buying for his attention. And on the way to things, people would come and try to interrupt him and get his attention. But let me tell you this, in all the times Jesus was going somewhere, he was on the way to something, or he was on the way to something else in the day-to-day moment like everybody else, and people would come up saying, I need you. He was never distracted. He loved everyone around him. Why? Because he made sure his gaze was fixed on eternity. So when a woman comes to grab the hem of his garment as he's walking, he loves her and sees eternity. He made his relationship with God his number one top non-negotiable priority, and the rest followed. Please hear me. This isn't a quantity issue. It's not about how many prayers you pray or how long you pray. It's not about how many Sunday morning services you go to or, or Bible studies or how much time you go to youth group. It's not about the quantity. It's about our focus. And it's our focus on eternity with God. I'm not worried about your Sunday morning attendance. I'm not. Because if you're focusing on eternity and you're focusing on God, that will all fall in alignment. I'm not worried about how much you're reading the Bible or not reading the Bible because when you're focused on eternity, that will be fine too. I'm not worried about if you're sinning too much or this and that and you're struggling because if you're focused on eternity, you'll naturally fall in line. I don't want to stand up here and tell you, okay, you need to do morning devotions for 10 minutes. Then go through your to-do list. Then make sure you have a certain amount of church time, a certain amount of leisure activities, make sure you work a little bit. I know you may be thinking, well, come on, man, I want to, this sermon has no point. There's no plan. There's no like, well, what do I do with my day to day? I want to be organized. I want to use my time well and not be overwhelmed. Let me tell you, the Bible doesn't tell us how we should schedule our day. It doesn't. You're not going to find in there, this is what you do in the morning, this is what you do at night, this is what you do in the afternoon. I don't want to tell you how long to pray or how often you should or that you need to choose church over sports or you need to only work during these hours. Rather, I want to tell you and encourage you and lay before you, I want you to seek a real relationship with God. A real relationship with God and you're thinking about eternity on and on forever with Him. And when we do that, we will naturally read Scripture more. We'll get to know him because we'll want to pray more and talk with him and lean on him for his understanding. If we focus on eternity with him, you know what's going to happen? We are going to be about the mission. We're going to be about making disciples because we're so in love with him, I can't help but tell someone about it. We'll sin less. Sin won't go away. You're going to struggle. But it'll be less because you're so focused on eternity our priorities will come in line. I promise you that. And then that will will feed our day-to-day lives. It will pull us to what's eternal rather than what will just waste away. Because when I focus on the eternal and I find myself focusing on who Jesus is and what he promises me, my life feels more free. I actually find it more freeing knowing that I'll spend eternity with him because I know I'll have comfort in being with him. That I just need to keep focusing on the race set before me. And when I'm doing that, I'm focused on the end. When I'm focused on eternity with him and he's going to be there face to face wiping away my tears, I'm very much less worried about my day to day. Because I don't have time. I don't have time to worry about day to day. I'm focused on eternity. I don't have time to figure out like, should I have the burger or the quesadilla? I'm focused on eternity. And when I'm focused on eternity, I'll get those answers. And it's a burger. 
Sorry, a little humor. When I'm focused on that, it helps me make. When I'm focused on eternal decisions I'm, or eternity, I'm helped in making the day-to-day decisions. It makes my decisions a lot easier. When I wake up and spend time with God and really think about the light of eternity and what he would want me to pray in that, that intimacy time where I'm just sitting there and I'm praying to him and I'm thinking about like, okay, I want to pray in light of eternity. What, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to live like? I get those answers. My day naturally just starts to fall in line. I know what's important and what can wait. I know what's crucial and what doesn't really matter. I know what's asked of me because I'm spending time with him. And guess what? It's not complicated. I'm going to sum it up for you. I've been summing it up the whole series. Loving God, loving people. That's your day-to-day. It's all about his mission to us, his commission to us, telling the world about him. Let me tell you this, and please hear me, because when I'm loving God, I can see my eternity with him. And when I'm loving people, I am thinking about yours. When I love God, I think about my eternity, but when I'm loving people, I'm thinking about your timeline. The eternal becomes the priority and the rest will fall in line. When I have decided what's best for my kids, when I have to figure out those moments, I think, what will set them up for their eternity, for their timeline? Now, does that mean we can't do anything fun? No vacations, no soccer games? That is not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, when those things distract us from the eternal, when those things become the crucial things, maybe we're in a bad spot. And we need to fix our gaze. And let me say this, parents. This is really something important on my heart. When our kids are little, I have a little one, and I have a little one coming, for a short time, we are trusted with their rope. We are trusted with their timeline, not forever. Maybe it's when they're 18, maybe it's when they're 13. But this world is speaking to our kids in every moment of every day. And we have to understand that our time with them is short. And our job is to handle their eternity for a little moment. That our job is to example life focused on eternity rather than the temporary stressful moments. That our job is to example a life bent serving Jesus rather than ourselves. Amen? We are trusted with their timeline to show them eternity. That it's not just about this moment. It's not about that kid who picked you on you at school. It's not about that soccer game that you failed at. It's not about the one you won at. It's about this. All that stuff is fun, and yes, we get to joy. That's the grace of God and the love of God and the good grace that we have from him, that we can have these things, that we can play the games, that we can have music, that we can do all these things. We can go on vacation. But if that takes precedent over my kid's eternity, I've done something wrong. I want my son to one day know, man, my dad was so focused on eternity that he was always telling me about the love of God. That he was exampling a prayer life, exampling a, a life that was bent on serving Jesus. We're trusted just for a short moment with discipling them. And even when they're older and we make mistakes, we're always able to show our kids eternity. Amen? When my wife needs help with something, 
when I'm coming home from a long day of work, when I focus on the eternal, I know what scripture says. Love my wife as Christ loved the church. So how can I love her in that moment? Maybe it's by washing some dishes. Maybe it's by praying with her. Maybe it's taking my son off her hands for a little bit. It may look different every day. But because I'm focused on the eternal, I'm focused on how do I love her more? How do I love her like Christ loves her? When work calls are going too long and my son just wants to be chased around the house for three hours, I think about things eternal. I think about how scripture says there is a time to rest and that I need it. And that Christ's example to rest for us. And when God created everything, he showed us what it looks like to rest. And when my son wants to play cars on the floor, and he's, he's not even two yet, playing cars on the floor is not that grand. I'm always doing it wrong, and he always runs away. <laughs> but I'm told to love my kid, to show him a loving father. And I can realize that when I'm focused on the eternal. When I'm tired and would love to sleep in, or we're on vacation, I think, ah, we should stay home from church today. I'm not working. I think of eternity, and I think, wait, I get to go with people who want to worship Jesus and pray together and help each other grow in our faith? Why would I want to miss that? We are focused on the eternal. Every good decision will follow. If there are moments when we are trying to figure out how to spend our money in the light of eternity, we'll remember Jesus' words. It's better to give than receive and give above and beyond. In the moments we're racing in the hustle and bustle of work and errands and homework, but we see someone who needs our help with our eyes fixed on eternity, we'll remember the story of the Good Samaritan. When it comes to sex and relationship, and yet we're focused on eternity, we'll remember that our bodies were purchased at a price, and that God has the right and authority to tell us what to do with our bodies and how we use them with each other. When our eyes are fixed on eternity, we will know that the Holy Spirit and John 16 tells us that he's going to guide our every step and the rest will truly follow. The older I'm getting, the more in love with Jesus I'm becoming, and the more I'm starting to think about the eternal things rather than the day-to-day stresses, I'm starting to realize it's not that complicated. I mean, let me give you an example. Today, we feel like we need coaches for everything. I mean, how many, how many life coaches are out there? That's not a knock against life coaches. There's just so many. I think we should be wise. I think we should seek good advice and we should do things in community and help each other out. But listen, if you want to lose weight or get healthier, eating better isn't crazy. Don't eat junk food, exercise, you'll feel better. Now I know there's a lot of models and plans and different macros and different things. How much protein do you get? Carbs, fats? There's a lot that you can weigh and measure out. But at the end of the day, it's not that complicated. You want to feel better, eat better, work out, get some sleep. We all know that. Any nutritionist is going to tell you that. Well, let's work on your eating, how much are you sleeping? You should probably exercise. Like, that's, it's not that complicated. When it comes to our time management, it's not that complicated. I don't want to give you a five-point plan on how to manage your time better. It will vary, and it will look different for all of us. But what I will tell you is that if we're really focusing on eternity, our decisions, whether it's about relationships, finances, the majors or the minors, or what to celebrate, as long as we are focused on this, we will make good choices. So a good way to fix your gaze on the eternal is to ask yourself this. Take a moment and reflect on this. I ask this to youth group all the time, and they never have an answer. So let's see. If tomorrow I told you this part was going to be over, and you're going to step into this part, how would you spend your final moments here? If I told you, hey, 24 hours... You're going to step into eternity with him. 
It's going to be beautiful if you know. How are you spending your final 24? What would matter most? Would it be preparing for this part or worried about all the things I could miss out on on this part? Let me tell you today, the most important decision that you will ever make out of all the things, our series, how to make good decisions, the best decision we could ever make is if we're going to choose to follow him. And I've had students say to me and friends, when I'm older, I'll follow. When I live life a little and get to do my own thing, then I will follow. When I clean up my life, then I'll come back and then I'll follow. Life is short, my friends. Who I say Jesus is and what I choose to do with that information will impact all of this. And I know, I know, I, I might be sounding harsh, I might be sounding a little too radical in certain aspects. Or like, come on, man, we, we want to have fun. It's Christmas time. I, I know this may sound like too much, but the reality is if, if we only have this, I don't, I don't want to waste it. I want to live for my king and spend eternity with him unapologetically. I don't know what today holds for us. I know that time is, time is changing for me. I'm going to say a very morbid statement. Um, my wife did not like it, but we fine. I said, wow, it's so cool to watch Judah grow up as I'm dying. And she was like, what? What? <coughs> and I'm like, well, think about it. He's growing up and about to experience life. I don't know, at some point I hit the other end, and now I'm like, oh man, eventually time starts clicking down. What am I doing with my time? What's important? I don't want to waste this. And I thought this morning, today, as I was driving in, God, if, if when I'm looking at the clock here, if, if I had one last thing to say to the church before my time ran out, it would be, trust him. Follow him. He's worthy and he's faithful to his promises. Life is short, church. For you, for us. Who is Jesus? And will you follow him? It's the most important decision that you can ever make. And it can't be ignored. This series, we made a lot of good decisions and talked about a lot. But this is a decision that's most often ignored and told to wait till later. And sometimes we trick ourselves. We sit in the seats week after week and we just made Jesus part of the to-do list or the tradition we do on Sundays rather than my everything. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. This is what this season is all about. It's about celebrating that Christ came for us, that at Christmas time, we're thinking, wow, God sent his one and only son to step into time so he could save us. Jesus was in eternity. He was in glory. And God says, I'm going to send you into time. And you're going to experience time and the day-to-day. -day. And your time on earth will run out. But those who put their faith in you, John 3, 16, will what? Have eternal life. Amen? So as you pre prepare for communion, I have to ask, are you following him? Is he your everything? Will you close your eyes with me for a moment?
Now I know, I know day-to-day stress. I'll be honest and say, there are a lot of moments where I've lost sight of eternity. I want to be a guy. I want to be someone who's focused on it. If you have taken your eyes off of eternity and want to fix your gaze back to him, will you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you. Lift up your hand right now if you're like, hey, my, my eyes have been fixated on the wrong thing. I want to turn back to eternity. All right. You can put your hands on. Let me pray for us. God, right now, help us to fix our eyes on you and what matters and what's eternal. And yes, when the day-to-day stresses hit us, God, help us to focus on eternity. God, we are asking, help us prioritize our life. Do I play with my kids or do I finish that work call or do, I, do we take this vacation or do we go to church or, or hey, do I, do I go to shop right now or do we eat lunch first or do we eat lunch first and then go to shop right now? There's a lot. But I know that if we fixed our eyes on you, you'll take care of us and the rest will follow. And when we do get stressed out with our time, we can go to you. But right now, Jesus, you saw those hands that are saying, I've taken my eyes off eternity. Help me to get back on to you. Would you fix our eyes, God? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.